She's a small wonder. I'd like you both to meet Vicky. A child unlike other girls. And that's a real kid, right? No, no, it's a robot. Made of plastic. Microchips here and there. You're my voice input child identical. The ICI, I, I pronounce it Vicky. Hey there, everyone. Angela Bowen here, the host of She's a Small Wonder, a Small Wonder podcast. Welcome to a new year, 2023. <laughs> Almost done with January, the first month of the year. And I am ready to kick off season three. Oh my gosh. If you probably already listened to the season two finale. Season 2, episode 24 of Small Wonder, Double Wedding. At the very end of covering that episode, I did go through the episode lineup for season 3. And oh my gosh, so many good episodes. Season 4, on the other hand, you know, we'll get to that when I'm done with season 3. I don't like to, um, I don't want to spoil myself too much. But then again, I guess I kind of spoiled all of us by going through the synopsises. Um, I'm still waiting on that one episode that I got confused on. Yeah, the wrong description on it. <coughs> I apologize about the coughing. I'm finally seeing a doctor about it. I've had this cough for over a month now. It's the last thing that remains from the cold I had just before Christmas. Whenever I get sick, which is rare, the cough is the thing that lingers, which totally, totally sucks. But anyway, all right. So, go into the episode guide. Waiting for IMDb to get cut up. Okay, here we go. Season 3, episode 1, Woodward and Bernstein. This is from September 12th, 1987. Gosh. Uh, all right. In this episode, this is, guys, we are getting a handful of series episodes this season. So basically spread out over 2023 and 2024. But it's just, it's interesting because season two opened the series episode about, you know, chewing tobacco. And uh, cigarettes. I think it was mainly just chewing tobacco. Oh, speaking of, the kid in that who played whatever the hell his name is, Pete or something. Um, the, he was the youngest on that show, It Is Enough. He recently passed away. And I'm just like, oh. And I never, you know, watched It Is Enough. Actually, now that I think about it, wasn't Ralph Macchio on that show towards the very end? It's the same thing where they throw another kid onto the show, kind of like with Leonardo DiCaprio and Growing Pains at the end. They throw another kid on the show in hopes of gaining new ratings late in the game. It's the whole, let's add a baby. It seems like so many long-running shows have done that. Family Matters did that, but they did that by adding, like, a foster child or something to come live with them. But then again, I wasn't an avid watcher of Family Matters. I kind of dipped in and out. Anyway, let's get back to Season 3 of Small Wonder. Okay, this episode's got a 6.8 out of 10 based on 19 ratings. Of course, we have returning Richard Christie as Ted Lawson. We got Marla 
Pennington as Joan Lawson. We got Jerry Superian as Jamie Lawson. Emily Schulman playing, returning as Harriet Brindle. Tiffany Brissett as Vicky the Robot. We, oh, we got Reggie. Reggie's in this episode. Oh, I missed Reggie. He's so cool. He's like the level-headed friend that Jamie always needs in his corner. We have Tiffany Reinbolt as Chrissy. We have David Moses as Mr. Bryant. I'm guessing he's a teacher. And Bobby Herbeck as Delivery Man. Why do I feel like I've said this guy's name before? Like he's been in an episode before as like a delivery man or something. So this episode was directed by Leslie H. Martinson. Oh, my other laptop went off. Hold on. Decided to take a nap. Wake up! Wake up. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Writers Bobby Herbeck. What? Wait, wait a minute. This guy who plays the delivery man also wrote this episode? Holy shit. Oh, that's wild. All right. We got Howard Leeds, of course, the show's creator. We got Warren S. Murray, one of the story executives who I think the character Warren Murray was named after. I think we do get a reappearance of Warren in season three and possibly season four. And of course we have Bruce Kane returning as executive story editor. Uh, oh my gosh, we have trivia. We have goofs, guys. This like next to never happens. Seriously. <laughs> The title refers to the two Washington Post newspaper reporters who investigated the Watergate break-in story and many of the other dirty tricks performed by the Nixon White House. All right. Oh, we got, oh, you know what? I'm not going to go to the goof. It's going to spoil me. Again, if you're new to the podcast, go back and listen to the first two seasons. But I don't watch these episodes ahead of time. But this just sounds like a situation that has been done on at least two shows that I've covered with Punky Brewster and Silver Spoons, in fact. All right. And th that's pretty much it, guys. There is not a lot. You know, we never get hardly, literally, if we've ever gotten one, it might have been that thanksgiving episode with that homeless man who looked like santa claus um i'm gonna check out the intro i want to see if we got new footage i want to see if we got new stills from the actors to see if you know maybe jamie's got a new haircut going into season three we'll find out i think in season four he's got the spiky haired look because it's like towards the end of uh the 80s by the time the show ends because it started in 85 and we're already now in like more than the halfway point of 1987 also those of you that don't know there is a facebook page for the podcast just search small wonder podcast the she's a small wonder podcast will pop up i'm doing these in chronological order of course, if you don't know, this is a monthly podcast where I do an episode a month. Usually takes me at least two years to get through one season. I've completed the first two. You can go back and listen. Also, thank you, YouTube, because they have pretty much all the episodes. 
if you're like me and you notice that there are only two seasons, well, you're you can find one on Amazon. You can find season one on DVD on Amazon. I have to shut off this alarm or it's gonna go off. Yes, I know about that. Okay, so let's just see if Amazon even has Small Wonder. I do have an extra copy of the DVD because I do plan at some point to do a giveaway for season one. I've actually done that already once before and I'd like to do that again. Season one. Um, apparently they do not have it anymore on Amazon, but hey, save your money, go to YouTube, you can watch all four seasons. However, like I said, season three and four, not on DVD, never will be on DVD. Blessed with the YouTube, I went and I downloaded the episodes, I'm good, so we got the next four years covered. <clears throat> When I'm done with some of my other podcasts, I may even go to twice a month. It just really depends on some of the shows that I have on the back burner as well. So, all right, further, without further ado, let's see how this opening goes. I want, I want new faces. Well, not new faces. I want new looks. I want new footage. But we'll see. It just seems like some shows... We'll have Punky Brewster is a great example of that. <laughs> Season two pretty much feels like exact same footage from season one. You know, the openings are very similar. There really isn't much difference. But then again, you get season three, of course, the character grows up. Got to change the look and all that. Season three and four identical openings but let's see uh we do have a different singer singing the theme song and can i say oh, don't like it it's the same thing with silver spoons they had some weird rock version of the theme song in like season five i'm like i hate this but i think it's like i think it was like Season one and two were sung by a guy, and I think this is sung by a girl. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, of course. It's just, I don't know, it's just, it's a little too poppy for my taste. So, this must be coming up. We, I believe we do have Joan becoming a permanent fixture in Jamie's school. She is going to be his teacher from here on out. Because we see her in the classroom. She's pulling down a map in front of the chalkboard of the United States and it says monster on it and it's got like the googly eye, you know, the nose and the mustache, whatnot. Joan turns around and she's got the same Groucho Marx looking type of face mask thing on with the nose and the glasses and mustache and whatnot and she takes them off and smiles. It seems like she, Marla has let her hair grow a little bit more. It's not as short as it was. It's really cute. Okay, so we see Jerry Cyprian, uh, or Superian, in his room, lifting a weight. 
and he's lifting it above his head. And he's smiling. So, no, no spiky hair for him. I think that is season four. We get the spiky hair Jamie. And, but hey, his room is looking like that. Because he's got to be going on, he was 12 in season two, I believe. And here he's got to be at least 13. Or going on 13 at this point. But at least it looks like they're getting his room less childlike that we've seen for the duration of all of season one and halfway through season two. The set designers decided, hey, let's get rid of the clown, the elven doll by his bed, the other little tacky, like, things that are more appropriate for a six-year-old than, say, a 12-year-old. Come on now. I mean, they got, like, pictures of, like, cars, motorcycles, you know, stuff like that. A UCLA pennant, so you know they live in California. Here we got Emily Schulman reprising as Harriet. She gets a step stool so she can, instead of listening in at the door with a glass, she's got a step stool so she can look into the people. Sweetie, that's not how that works. You can't look into a people from the outside and see the inside of it. This is not the first people episode from Seinfeld. Uh, again, way too much hair for this child. The bangs are just, they go under and they're like framing her forehead from one ear all the way to the other. I didn't even know that bangs could do that. I think it's just an easy way of saying, can she get a haircut? Something. The bangs, at least the bangs. Get rid of them like that. They're not supposed to fold under where there's a dent or an indent. Ugh. Okay, enough about her hair. That's what the producers and everyone wanted her to have, and were, and she were all stuck with it. We see Vicky, of course, wearing the same red and white pinafore dress. She's pulling a, because she's magnetic, she can. Put her hand out and a can, a pop can, will zoom right over to her hand. She winks at the camera and smiles. It's excited when they start dressing her like a child of the 80s, like normal. Like, she goes to school wearing that. They're going to be like, what the fuck's with the dress? You've been wearing this dress now for two years. The child has grown some. I'm sure they, that Joan had to let it out. Whether she's a seamstress, I, I don't know. So the last scene is the family sitting on the couch, again, with that trunk as a coffee table. I see they haven't upgraded. Harriet pretends to take a picture, but one of those coiled fake snakes pops out of the lens. And just seeing Vicky's reaction, it looks like more like... Tiffany, the actress, is reacting like, oh, what, huh? Because we know Vicky would not act. She would not. She would have a blank look on her face. She wouldn't even react to it. The actress would react to that. It's just like they kind of caught everyone off guard. Like, huh, what is that? Was that supposed to happen? Yeah, and pretty much at the beginning, uh, Dick Christie is, it's the same thing as season two. He was at the computer working on stuff. Same as 
here the ending of season three's opener. You have him at the computer once again. Vicky's in the monitor. She's got a remote. She hits the button and the screen goes dark. So honestly, not really much change here. Oh, shit. Why is it making a big damn pot of it, for fuck's sake? Hey, what are you doing? I am trying to help your mother out by making breakfast. Why? Oh, you're straining the lumps out of the oatmeal, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, don't forget, she makes my lunch, too. Jamie, I only have two hands. Oh, oh. Why the hell would you grab it with your bare hand, dum-dum? It's a hot pan. Jamie, why don't you eat at the school cafeteria today, all right? Cafeteria food? Yeah, really. Well, if you feel that way, why don't you make it yourself? All the stuff is right there. You're right, Dad. My mom works as my substitute teacher in school. We should all pitch in and help out. Vicky, make my lunch. Can make your lunch? On the double, please. Oh, fuck off, Jamie. On the double, please. So what the hell's with Joan? Why can't she get down there? Is she sick? Is she on her period? What? She looks fine. Oh, thanks for doing this, honey. It's sure a big help when I'm working. Hey, it's no problem. Yeah, and tonight I'm even going to make dinner, honey. We're going to have goulash a la Ted. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. I hope it clogs your microchips. She doesn't eat, though. So have you thought of the story yet for the journalism contest, Jamie? No, but I'd sure like to win and become a reporter on the school newspaper. Well, Jamie, Why? you see, the trick is, is to write a story Ugh. that is so interesting that it'll make people sit up and take notice. How's this for a headline? Boy reveals secret of robot sister. Yeah, I got another headline for you. Father reveals secret of microwaving son. <laughs> Enough, honey, want some more? Uh, Fuck no. No! Oh my. Alright, we come out of the intro. We're in the kitchen. Ted is actually making breakfast because Joan is getting ready. She's still. Jamie refers to her still as a substitute teacher. At some point, I mean, is she just going to be full-time substitute teacher? Or is she going to be hired on as an actual full-time no-substitute teacher? So Ted's kind of helping her out. You know, he's, he's a giant-ass pan. It's like something you would make pasta in. You would boil spaghetti in. It's like a three-quart pan or what, and he's got the oatmeal bubbling over. It's like, why do you have it set to boiling? And it's just, of course it's boiling over. And he's, you know, trying to multitask because he's wiping dishes. So he's like, well, here, let me wipe these dishes while this cooks. Not watch. It's like, I, I get it. He's not... Uh, <laughs> You know, he only comes in the kitchen to eat, and Joan is cooking, but, he, you know, he's helping her out. At first, I'm like, oh, he's helping her out because, because Jamie also comes in, like, oh, where's mom? And Ted says, well, I'm helping her out because she's getting ready. I thought at first, like, oh, she's got her period, she's not feeling great, she's sick. 
And that's why he's stepping up. And the fact is, he's doing this on a weekday, which would mean he'd have to haul ass to get himself ready for work and leave enough time to be able to, you know, it just, it galls me. How on these TV shows, you see everybody with so much time before school that you can also sit down all together at breakfast or even dinner. It's like, I mean, kudos if you can still do that. Great. But there are some families that just like <clears throat> husband and wife both have jobs or working opposite shifts. Everyone's kind of coming and going because of activities, sports, all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's cute to see and whatnot. But anyway, I just, I was wondering, like, is she sick? Is she on her period? But then again, I mean, if she's on her period, I'm sure she can easily make a pot of oatmeal. I usually go with the instant stuff. It's just easier. It's quick. You pop it in the microwave and boom, you're done. But it just looks like liquid bubbling white paste. So, Jamie does look, he's got a little bit of a haircut. His hair isn't as shaggy, you know, kind of longer covering his ears. It does look like that, you know, kind of gave him a decent haircut. And he, he comes in and he's like, just surprised to see his dad at the stove instead of his mom. Like, Dad, what are you doing? Yeah, and Ted just says, oh, I'm helping your mom out by making breakfast. And Jamie says, oh, so you're straining the lumps out of the oatmeal. Jeez. Jamie also adds that his mom makes his lunch, which, dude, you're like going on 13. Because Ted's like, son, I got two hands. I'm focused on this. Make your own. So, of course, you know, since Vicky's there, Jamie's going to say, Vicky, make my lunch on the double. And apparently she knows what he likes to have because he doesn't have to tell her. I'm like, dude, you got two hands and two fucking feet. Get your ass up to the... Kitchen Island, and make your own fucking lunch. At what point? I mean, courtesy to the moms out there that do that, that's great. But at some point, don't you think maybe it's like, hey, you're old enough now, maybe you could start kind of, you know, taking initiative to do some of these things on your own, because, you know, it just, there's no, there's no reason, like, hey, dude, you know what you like? You want to add some extra meat on that sandwich? Go for it. You want to add some extra peanut butter and extra jelly? make a, a a triple pb and j sandwich you got you can do it would you want to have control over what you you get to have on your lunch i mean but then again i mean me growing up in junior i was always getting the hot lunch i always got the hot lunch it was funny because in elementary school you get like the little lunch ticket like before class started you'd stand in line and get your lunch ticket yeah so when Ted says, oh, Jamie, I only have two hands. Why the fuck do you pick up a pan without a pot holder? That thing's been boiling. It's been on the stovetop. And you, well, granted, he's distracted. But even still, yeah, exactly. Have fun typing at your desk there, Ted, because you're going to, yeah. I want a bandage to <laughs> take care of that hand. That suggests that Jamie eat at the school cafeteria because apparently, oh yeah, for lunch. At first I thought he's like, hey, why don't you go down to the school now and see if they, did they do breakfasts also aside from lunches back in 1987 in the school cafeteria? Because I know 
from what I read nowadays and hear about is like they do serve breakfasts for kids that kind of got to run out the door real quick and don't have time to, you know, grab something to go. So that's good. But at first, but now seeing this again, it's like, oh, no, he's like, hey, just grab something at the cafeteria. And Jamie's like, cafeteria, ugh. yeah, oh, God. Honestly, I mean, mine was not bad. It, the only thing that was fucking revolting was those dis- Oh, just thinking of them now make me want to puke. Those fucking school pizzas. This is like 93 through 97. Nasty, nasty, disgusting. Waxy cheese, dried tomato paste, and just the dried up pizza crust dough. And they're all cut into squares, so it's easy to serve up. Other than that, I mean, that was honestly the only real complaint I had about, especially in junior high and high school. But there's some other things that weren't bad. I mean, the chicken nuggets, the, I mean, everyone, I think, loved chicken nugget day. I always got, because they have the mashed potatoes and gravy, I always ask for them to put gravy on my nuggets. I don't know why, but it's just something that I tried once and I just could not get enough of. I like chicken nuggets, mashed potatoes, and, and gravy on both. Yeah, and apparently all the stuff to make the luncheon and everything for him is already on the kitchen island for him. And Jamie says, oh, yeah, Dad, now that Mom's my substitute teacher again, we all should, you know, pitch in and help out. Vicky, make my lunch. Make it, yeah, on the double. It's like, dude, your legs ain't broken. Wander your little ass up there and start making yourself something. I, I, you would think that a kid would be like, oh, great, I can put as much or as little as I want of whatever. I gotta ask this. I've never tried this, but I've seen this done in at least one movie where they put potato chips on a sandwich. Like, on the sandwich. Have any of you ever tried that? I haven't. Um, That movie with Julia Roberts and, what the fuck is his name? Lucas Hedges called Ben is Back. He did that. I guess it was a thing that he... I, I think it was like a PB&J and then you throw potato chips on there, which sounds disgusting as hell. It sounds like something that someone's got pregnancy cravings that they would actually want. But, you know, to each their own. Um, Maybe one day I'll make that and see what happens. If I don't get diarrhea afterwards, I'll call that a success. So Joan comes in. I like what she's wearing here. It looks nice and comfortable. It's not like those elaborate get-ups that we get in, like, season two. You know, the bright colors, the designs of the 80s. It is 87, so whether this is something like, yeah, maybe this is what she'll wear to teach. You know, be comfortable. It's not like you got to go in, like, lounge pants and, like, a sweatshirt or anything like that. But, um... Nah, she, and she did, she, I don't know, yeah, and, yeah, the thing is, like, the big bow tie thing, elaborate thing, you know, that the, the ladies wore in the, the 80s and whatnot, the working women, the working girls, 
Because she sits down at the table. She's like, oh, honey, thank you so much for this. This really helps me out so much. He's like, honey, it's not a problem. Don't worry. He's like, oh, here you go. Here's some oatmeal. And he pours it into this bowl to the point where it's practically overflowing. And it again, it just looks like bubbling paste mixed with oats or cream of wheat. I've never... Never had cream of wheat. I don't think I would like it. Ted even signs himself up to make dinner. Like, honey, I'm going to make dinner too, okay? Goulash a la Ted. And, of course, Vicky, she's always repeating what someone either says or does. And she's doing the finger down the, ugh. And I'm just thinking, dude, you haven't even been to work today. You don't know how the hell it's going to go. I wouldn't be signing up for, I mean, breakfast is one thing so she can get ready and whatnot, but did I mean, ugh. And honestly, you don't have to cook a big ass elaborate meal at the end of the day. If you're just having like, here, let me pop in this, uh, Stouffer's, like, lasagna or whatever the hell. I mean, something that is, you, that way it's like, hey, it's cooking, I'm gonna get cleaned up get my work clothes on, all that good stuff, and just settle in for the night. You don't gotta cook a big-ass thing of fucking goulash. You don't got, you know, yeah, that's the thing. Well, Jamie, you're gonna have lunches already pre-made for, like, the next week with this pot of, I mean, if it's anything like the giant <coughs> pot of oatmeal, you're gonna have goulash coming out your ears for weeks. I know they say some things are good the second day, but it's just like, goulash, I, no. I mean, even the day after, even with like stroganoff or something, it's like, and you use ground beef, it just looks like, eh, it smells off. But sometimes it just smells off, like leftovers, you're like, I don't really want to eat this. And looks at Vicky and says, I hope it clogs your microchips. And I'm just thinking, but she doesn't eat. Wait a minute. I think this is the season they address that the actress is getting older and everything. So I'm trying to think how they had to address that in the show. Was that he could, like, change her so that way she could, you know, evolve and all that stuff something to that effect and I think they also made it where she could eat so she's like eventually she's going to school on the regular becoming you know one of the kids and it's like well she needs to act like one of the kids you know wearing regular clothes sitting down to lunch actually eating stuff so he has to make adjustments to her system so she can do that so this is what brings up the storyline of this episode Joan asked Jamie this, I thought it was like a school assignment. It's a journalism contest. And Jamie is so hyped because the idea of getting to work on the school newspaper, which in two seasons we have not seen him have an interest in anything. I, I As far as like the sports shit goes with either the football, the baseball, I think was the other one. I'm just kind of like... Let's develop more interest in this kid's personality as far as, okay, he's done the sports shit. Let's move on. Like, what other interests can we develop for this character? 
I can't see him going out for soccer or for tennis or for golf. I don't think. I mean, he's in junior high. I don't think they do golf in junior high back in 87. But then again, I didn't go to school in California, so I have no idea. They probably did. They probably, I'm sure they had lacrosse. I'm sure they had some form of field hockey. Well, is there a field hockey for guys? Or is it, I'm just going based on the Wonder Years, and that show was set in the, like, 60s and 70s. There was a girls' field hockey, but I don't think there were a, was a guys' one, but then again, I could be wrong. Anyway, yeah, he's like, oh, I hope I win so I can be a reporter on the school newspaper. Ted gives Jamie a pointer, like, hey, why don't you do this? You gotta write a story that's just so good, that's a heading that's so amazing that it's gonna make people sit up and take notice. That's the thing. It's always like with the headline, it's like you pull them in with that and then you just write whatever. I, for a second, thought we were going to get another spanking joke. Thank the Lord we did it. I, gosh, please, the last two seasons of the show, no more spanking jokes. This kid is literally 13 years old. We don't, again, different strokes do the same bullshit. When Arnold is, like, 13 years old, Philip Drummond was like, how about I, like, uh, beat your bottom or some shit like that. I'm thinking, at some point, these jokes, because, you know, if you're a kid of the 80s and 90s, you odds are, if you did something wrong, you probably did get spanked on the butt. That's just, you know, how you learned. But I'm just like, what could be construed as funny when the character is like six or eight or five? Sure. When he's 12 or 13 or 14? No. It turns into something just utterly just, just stop. Just stop with that kind of crap. It's played out. It's over. You don't need to make any spanking jokes. Because Jamie's like, how about this for a headline? Brother discovers his sister is a, a, an actual robot. And Ted says, yeah, I got another headline for you, Jamie. Father discovers secret to microwaving son. Okay, that's gross. And it's not even plausible. Her, her bowl of oatmeal, if you could call it that, is so filled to the brim. It's like, oh, honey, you want some more? And she's like, uh, <laughs> um, no. Uh, it's, it's pretty full, honey. I, I haven't even started on this yet. It's like, oh, it's not a problem. And the point where the bowl is now, it's dripping off the side onto the plate that the bowl is sitting on. And it's just like, that is... She's going to be going to work soon. Man, you think she wants to get her clothes all grossed up with your disgusting oatmeal? Ted, use common sense. Thank you for helping, but again, common sense, please. All right, looks like we're headed back to school. We got Joan up at the front of the class, right? You know, honestly, what I don't miss and you don't see anymore? At least I don't, because, you know, I haven't been to... Uh, anyway... The blackboards and the chalk. Can we all say the whiteboards? 
Because I think once I got to high school, I think whiteboards were at some point prevalent. Or at least I even remember seventh grade computer class, they had the whiteboards. And it's just the draw. I mean, a dry eraser marker, sure it might squeak, but it doesn't have the <laughs> sound of chalk. Just. <laughs> I'm worried. The whole nails on a chalkboard. That saying. If we didn't have chalkboards, we wouldn't have gotten that saying. But I'm just happy they've pretty much done away with them. Unless there are schools out there that still use chalkboards. I don't know. But all right, let's see what's going on here. I can imagine. Is the school putting on this contest? And basically, whoever has the best story is going to wind up being the one that takes over the school newspaper or becomes a reporter for the newspaper? Hey, Joe, buddy. When I win that journalism contest, I'm going to be a big man on campus. Everybody Jimmy, shut will up. know who I am. Right. They know you're the fool who lost to me. Exactly. Oh, good morning, Mrs. Lawson. Oh, good morning, Mr. Bryant. Well, what can I do for our illustrious principal? Well, first you can stop polishing the apple. <laughs> then I'd like for you to meet Chrissy Ryan. She's a new student who just moved here from Arizona. And she's going to be in your class. Oh, hi, Chrissy. Oh, we'll have her feeling right at home in no time. Well, I'm sure you will. Listen, by the way, remind your students to get their stories into me by Friday if they plan on entering the journalism contest. Okay, I'll do that. Chrissy, it's nice having you with us. Thank you, sir. Oh, your attention, class. I'm sure you already heard what your principal just said about the journalism contest, so let's keep that in mind, okay? And I'd also like you to say hi to your new classmate, uh, Chrissy Ryan. Hi. hi. Well, who would like to show Chrissy where we are in the history book? All the guys. Every one of them. Uh, why don't you show Chrissy where we are? Jamie, of course, is already boasting about how he's going to be a big man on campus, a.k.a. junior high, when he wins this journalism contest. It's like, dude, don't you count your chickens before they hatch. Seriously. <laughs> but it's cool to see Reggie again. So the principal comes in with a new girl named, I thought he said Christy at first, but I guess her name is Chrissy. Not Chrissy Seaver, but... <laughs> She's from Arizona, and I guess she's going to be living in Cali. So, Principal also says, hey, any one of your students, Mrs. Lawson, that's interested in the journalism contest, please have their stories in by Friday at the latest. And I like how Joan is like, well, you guys pretty much already heard that, so I don't have to repeat myself. Just make sure you get them in. And I like that, honestly, it's not like she, because it seems like, I remember the movie Casper, new student, also, Simpsons was another one, new student, stand up and tell the class about yourself. Extremely awkward. Luckily, Joan is nice enough not to do that to this girl. 
So she even asked, like, hey, who wants to show Chrissy where we are in the history books? Every single male form in that classroom raises their hand. And Joan, of course, takes notice, like, uh-huh, yeah, fellas. Hey, why don't you sit next to Vicky here? <laughs> Jamie right away is like, oh, yeah, that's my sister, Vicky. I'm her brother, Jamie. And Reggie's like, yeah, I'm not her brother, but I'm a brother. <laughs> so, of course, Chrissy didn't bring a lunch. So she's like, well, can you point me in the way to the cafeteria? Jamie's like, yeah, just stick your nose out in the hall and start sniffing. When you find <laughs> that you're about ready to throw up, you've reached the cafeteria. I would have been, I mean, if I were him, I'd be like, hey, yeah, when it's lunchtime, just follow me. I'll, I'll take you there. We're pretty much going in the same direction anyway. I would have used that as like a an excuse to like, hey, why don't you syphilis or something like that. I mean, I mean, I get it. He's trying to be Mr. Funny Guy to impress her and everything. So I like how this time around that Joan is just, she's dressed comfortably. She's not wearing those over-the-top ginormous ties like she was when uh, she was first Jamie's substitute. I don't even understand what the whole situation is with the substitute situation. Just make her his regular teacher. She ends up being that way anyway, I would think. Unless they keep stringing out the whole substitute thing. It's like, where is your regular teacher? Is she dead? Is she on... Uh, Maternity leave indefinitely? What's going on here? Or is it to the point where it's like, oh, we can't afford to pay a, reg a teacher a regular salary, so we'll just pay Mrs. Lawson $10 a day to substitute <laughs> and save money. All right, so now it looks like we're back at home. We're in the living room. Vicky is on the couch with Chrissy, most likely going over all these regurgitated facts that she's gotten from the history book. And you know that Chrissy is getting an earful. Part of me kind of wonders, like, is she going to start a question, like, why do you talk in a monotone voice? Or how do you regurgitate all this information from this book? That covers the homework assignments for this week. Tomorrow we start the chapter on the Civil War. And how you doing, Chrissy? Hi, Mrs. Lawson. I really appreciate you and Vicky going to all this trouble to help me. Oh, it's no trouble at all. I'm sure it'll be easy for me to catch up. I can speed read. Oh, that's wonderful. I can speed read, too. New York was the first that opened the Dutch in 1625. What? <laughs> Vicky, stop. You're caught up on all of last week's homework, and next week we're going to start on the Civil War, which, and Chrissy also mentions about she shouldn't have a problem keeping up because she speed reads. Vicky, of course, seems like she's showing off, like, oh, I can speed read, and then it's like she stays on the same page. I'm thinking, I thought she was going to flip through that book really fast. You know, part of me just gets this feeling like 
Because Chrissy's like, oh, thank you, Mrs. Lawson. You're being so nice to help me out. And part of me just thinks it's like Joan almost wants a real, real daughter. Like, she loves Vicky kind of, you know, almost like a real daughter. But it's like, here, it's a real. <laughs> but anyway, she asked Chrissy, like, hey, you want to stay for dinner? We're having goulash a la Ted. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're still doing that? Oh, boy. And she even says, like, hey, why don't you call your mom, see if you can stay for dinner if you want. And she's like, well, I don't live, my mom doesn't live with me, um, but I can ask my dad. So she goes to call her dad. And I'm kind of, it's still early on in the episode, but part of me is getting, like, Punky Brewster, season two, Milk Does a Body Good episode uh, vibes with this. So we'll see what happens. Like I said, again, I, you know, you know, I don't watch these ahead of time, so I have no idea what's in store. This could take a dark turn. Honey, uh, oh, where did you get that apron? Is it too busy with the shirt? It's ugly. It looks like some you. Need any help? You kidding, honey? You're talking to Julia Child. With hairy legs. Well, we may have one more for dinner if Chrissy can stay. I understand, Daddy. I'll tell Mrs. Lawson. Bye. Uh-oh. I can't stay for dinner, Vicky. Please tell your mom my daddy wants me to come home right away, okay? Okay. Red flag number one. I'm very hungry anyway. My stomach's kind of upset from that sandwich in the cafeteria. Better put saddles on those hamburgers. They've got to be made with horse meat. <laughs> horse meat. Yikes. <laughs> You're funny. Bye. Bye. So yeah, Joan goes in the kitchen and Ted's wearing this. It looks like he ripped a frilly 80s curtain. Like one of those like kitchen window type curtains. And made it into an apron. Because he looks ridiculous. And then he's also calling himself Julia Child. So we go into the living room and Chrissy's on the phone like, oh, don't worry, Daddy, I'll tell Mrs. Lawson. And she gets off the phone and tells Vicky, like, I'm sorry, Vicky, please tell your mom I can't stay for dinner. My dad wants me home right away. And I'm like, red flag number one. Yeah, I am definitely getting the dad from that Punky Brewster episode. Vibes, and we haven't even met this guy. I don't even know if we do meet this guy. Yeah, Chrissy, of course, is also mentioning, like, her stomach kind of bugging her from that lunch. Like, oh, they need to put a saddle on that hamburger. I bet it's made of horse meat. And then Vicky does an impression of a horse, and I'm just... I like how Chrissy isn't weirded out by her. She's not like, oh, you're weird or anything. She just kind of laughs like, you're funny, Vicky. Like, I like you. You don't ask a lot of questions, which is good. <laughs> so both, I believe both Reggie and Jamie come in the back door. Like, what time are they rolling in? Well, Ted's just now getting dinner going, so I'm like, what time does the school day end? Three? <laughs> I can't remember. Usually for me, school, I swear school ended just about 2.30 in the afternoon, in high school. Junior high, I think it was like, gosh, I think it was before three also. Because the high schoolers always got picked up on the school bus before the junior high students. But anyway, let's move on. 
chance to win the journalism contest at this rate. Why not? We can't find any good stories. Yeah, the best I can come up with is Bobby Herbeck got his first pimple. I couldn't even say where. <laughs> well, hang in there, guys. Why don't you guys team up, you know, like Woodward and Bernstein? <laughs> okay, episode title. You know, and then just go after one good story, right? Who's Woodward and Bernstein? Uh, well, I guess you're too young to remember, but a few years back, there were a couple of reporters that uncovered this big scandal in Washington about Watergate and President Nixon. You're kidding. Norm Nixon, the basketball player, was president? <laughs> no, Reggie, you know she means the other Nixon. But he dribbled just as much, didn't he? <laughs> well, how did they get the story? From a secret source who gave them all the information. They never said who it was. You see, Jamie, a good reporter always protects his source's identity. They just gave him a secret code name. Deep Throat. Hey, that's a great idea, Reggie. You want to team up? I'll be one word. Okay, but I'm not sure I'm right for Bernstein. <laughs> hey, Reggie, you want to stay for dinner? Sure, thanks. He's already... I'm cooking. I just remarked my mom needs me. <laughs> Instant diarrhea. So, of course, Reggie and Jamie coming to the door. They ain't got. They got not a damn thing for this journalism thing. This contest going on. Like we don't got shit. What are we gonna do? And of course. Ted and Joan talk about the Woodward and Bernstein breaking open that case on the Watergate scandal. And also, you know, the whole thing with President Nixon. And she even said, you know, a few years back. So, didn't that happen, like, in the 70s or something? Maybe. Hey, Jeremy. What year was that Watergate scandal? Was it late 70s? Oh, really? Because this episode of Small Wonders in 87, and the way that Joan says, oh, a few years back with that uh, Woodward and Bernstein thing. She made it seem like it happened sometime in, like, the early 80s. (laughs) Oh, God. So, yeah, they're kind of thinking, like, hey, why don't we do that? Uh, and so I guess that's where the Deep Throat code name came from. I thought that was referring to porn. I don't know. Anyway, um, he Ted even tells him, like, you gotta go, like, undercover, like, with a secret code name and all of this. And have a special informant to give you information. They never revealed their sort. What, what have you, what have you. So, they're, yeah, let's uh, be Woodward and Bernstein. <laughs> yeah, and he's they're even um yeah, he's telling him like, hey, get something that is so profound that basically, yeah, you want someone to stand up and take notice. Like it's, it's but we'll see, we'll see what's gonna happen. Ted asked regularly, hey man, you wanna stay for dinner? I'm like, he's sitting down, may as well. But then as soon as Ted says, Oh, I'm cooking, Reggie's like, I think my mom needs me. So he's like, I'm, apparently he's he's had Ted's cooking and it's utter shit. So, yeah. 
And then <laughs> Ted's like putting the bowl of whatever the goulash. A little pan is not going to feed three or more. Well, Vicky doesn't eat, so it's, yeah. So, yeah, he's like putting it right under Joan's nose. Like, honey, smell this. And she's like, oh, I practically got instant diarrhea. Gross. She needs to take over. Like, she's home now. She can make something quick. It doesn't have to be an elaborate three-course meal. Uh, or give him cooking lessons. Something. So, all right. Reggie and Jamie are heading towards the door. So, it looks like they're kind of thinking, like, okay, so we got this. What kind of story can we break? <laughs> like, what's big right now? What's going on? Yeah, read the newspaper. Watch the news. See what's out there right now. I bet anything like child abductions would be something. Back when, yeah, the whole fa face on the milk carton and all that stuff. Back when missing kids were put on milk cartons. Before they, you know, milk was then produced in plastic jugs. meat thing which again she's just repeating what Chrissy said is an exaggeration now Jamie's thinking this is true like oh Vicky can't lie she's not built that way she wasn't made that way and he's thinking that the principal's gonna pat them on the back like oh good for you you just now, uh, I, I, I think that's ridiculous. I think they're going to get in trouble because they don't have proof. Like, no, they're not serving you horse meat, children. They're serving you, like, off-brand ground beef. I think store brand versus name brand, basically. Like, whatever the school can afford out of their budget to feed you is what you get. But if you don't have actual proof, like, you're not going into the cafeteria and, like, looking at the actual beef that they're using and stuff like you, you don't got a, you got nothing. And the principal is probably going to call them out and say, this is bullshit. I'm not even going to let you enter the, the, uh, essay or the, uh, the contest or whatever, the journalism contest now for this bullshit that you just, yeah. So think about then then there be you know nowadays it's like they're being investigated like where's your proof you know they don't have cell phones with cameras like oh we're gonna someone's gonna go into the lunchroom and and snap pictures of the food and this and like no no 
But it's like word of mouth. It's like word of mouth back then. It's what how news traveled. Now it's like you can take a video of something and post it online within seconds, and it's plastered all over the world. Like everyone is in tune to it. Uh, now we're in class, so let's see how this goes. It looks like they're all like, rah, 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 horse meat in the cafeteria. Blah, 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 lunch lady's been fired. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's going to play some best. Shut up, everyone. Thank you. It's a page. Attention. If you don't tell me who gave you that story, the both of you will be washing dishes in the cafeteria for a month. She's Dick Tonsils. Well, I'm too young to have dishpan hands. <laughs> Mickey, why would you say such a thing? I said such a thing because Chrissy said such a thing to me. Well, Chrissy, why did you say a thing like that? It's an exaggeration. It was, awesome. it was just a joke. You know, because the hamburger was so tough. <laughs> so, without any proof whatsoever, without checking your facts, mm -hmm. you go ahead and write a story that could have been harmful and embarrassing to the people that work in our cafeteria. Really? What kind of I will leave paper it to you is that? A suitable punishment for this kind of uh, irresponsibility. I'll do that. I think I know just the thing. There you go. So, this is a bunch of bullshit, <laughs> as far as, oh my gosh, I, I, I just, for what we learn later on, that's more part of this serious after school special part of the episode, from what I'm getting, we're eventually going to get that, this whole first half is utterly bullshit ridiculous. The, of course, the the principal is going to come in and say, what is this nonsense? You're basically accusing the school cafeteria workers of serving you horse meat. You don't got any sources. You don't got any proof. You don't got any pictures. You don't got any interviews with anybody. You got jack shit. You got nothing. You got nothing. I wouldn't even have taken that seriously. He, but he even says, this is a serious accusation. You're meddling in the lives of the people that serve you food. These people are ordinary people with jobs, with families, with with mortgages, rent, food, all that stuff. And you're fucking with their lives because you're looking for a story. He's like, I'm not even going to entertain this. He's just, and the fact that the way he was ripping up the paper, it's one like yellow legal pad 
piece of paper and the way that he's ripping up make it the sound of it just sounds like it's thicker than what it is but he yeah and the fact that he's even saying well i don't want to know who your source is and he's like if you don't tell me you're going to be on dishwashing duty in the cafeteria for a month and then of course reggie says oh she's deep tonsils slash deep throat <laughs> oh my gosh and Vicky says she heard it from Chrissy, and Chrissy is just like, I'm sorry, it was a joke. The hamburger, the, the meat is just, it's really, really tough, and everything like that. And it's like, she was making a joke. Vicky doesn't do literal jokes. She doesn't know what a joke is. She takes everything literally because that's who Vicky is. She doesn't understand the cadence of a joke. So... And I feel bad because Chrissy's new. This is like her second day in class. And now she's being typecast as a troublemaker. Like, I made one comment, one little joke, and now it's blown out of proportion. Oh, my gosh. And thinking about it now, it's like she's probably someone who, given what we'll learn about her, probably has been told by her dad, don't worry about making friends. We're not going to stay here that long. Fly under the radar, don't get noticed, you know, that kind of shit. You think that he wants his daughter to be recognized by some journalistic contest and put out there for the world to know? No. No. I like how Joan finally gets the attention, like, knock it off! I'd be like, shut up. You do, you do that. Kindergarten cop, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> of course, she's dealing with 12 and a half, 13 year old kids. So, yeah, I I like what she's wearing here. She's got like a she's she's going back to the, the colors of the like the teal and the fuchsia colors and everything and the golden, you know, yellow colors and everything like that. So, but yeah, the principal, like, hey, man, Mrs. Lawson, you, you do you. All right. You take care of this. You. Punish them however you want to punish them. My guess is all three of them are going to get stuff like, no, you're going to be writing a story, and you're going to, all three of are going to have to come up with something better than this. That's your, yeah, make it, the contest is supposed to be fun, now let's turn this journalism contest into a punishment. Oh, yeah, this is really interesting. Um, <laughs> she assigns them, not Chrissy. Chrissy, you know, she just made a joke. She's not part of it, thank goodness. Because it's like, don't don't bring the hammer on Chrissy because she made a joke and Vicky didn't understand. So, no, it's, it's clearly on Reggie and Jamie. It's like, no, you're going to read All the President's Men, the book, 900 plus fucking pages? You're going to do a report on it over the weekend, and then you're going to present it to the class? Have fun with that. Like, oh my god. So let me look up this. All the There's a, I mean, unless it's also, like, I thought there was a movie also based on the book. But let, let's see here, this All the President's Men book. Uh, look that up on Goodreads here. Let's see. 
all the presidents. Men. Carl Bernstein. It doesn't say Woodward on here. Wait. Oh, it does say Bob Woodward. Um, this came out in 2005, and it says it's 480 pages? I'm confused. Uh, maybe it's like, um, like cut out a lot of stuff. Um, Riveting account of two Washington Post. I thought there was like a movie called The Post recently that, well, not recently, but I thought it had like Tom Hanks and something. I've never seen it, but I saw a preview. Uh, Riveting account of two Washington Post reporters whose brilliant Pulitzer Prize winning investigation smashed the Watergate scandal wide open. The original 1974 political detective story of the fall of the Nixon presidency before the 2005 revelation that Deep Throat, in quotes, was the FBI's two-man W. Mark Felt. So there's also, I'm guessing that's what that movie, The Post, it has to be, I'm guessing. But then again, I could be full of shit. Um... A cover-up, oh, this came out in 2017, cover-up spanning four U.S. presidents pushes the country's first female reporter, publisher, and her editor to join an unprecedented battle between the press and the government, blah, 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 uh, has not a fucking thing to do with that, never mind, my head's a fight, I, I assumed, okay, let's see this President's Men movie, President's, oh, uh, 76, okay, here we go, here it is, right here, boom. Uh, Washington Post reporters Bob Woodward, Carl Bernstein undercover the details of the Watergate scandal, the president to the leads to President Nixon's resignation. Um, oh, Dustin Hoffman, Bernstein, Robert Redford, Bob Woodward, um, Deep Throat is Hale Holbrook, Jason Robards, Ben Bradley, don't know him, um, Meredith Baxter's in this? There's a shit ton of people that are uh, Ned Beatty, Stephen Collins, ugh. um, yeah, but whatever, it's, wow, that's, Nicholas Coster, is he related to Kevin Cost? Oh, wait, Coster, not Costner, never mind, okay, moving on, let's get back to the episode, I don't care anymore, um, Ted is now doing laundry, what, I don't care, I mean, Kudos for him. That's great. He's getting husband points for doing laundry and making... No one's asking him to make dinner. No one's asking him to... I get it that he's doing it, but he's right up there with Joey Gladstone when it comes to, you suck at cooking, please stop. Don't attempt anymore. I'm surprised she hasn't... Like, Ted, get out of the kitchen. You can ha t have fun with the laundry, because I don't like doing that anyway, but come on. <laughs> Is he on like Okay, here's the thing. He's not on vacation, right? He's not on, like, a work vacation, right? Because he's doing all this shit. Because normally when he walks in the run at the end of the day, Joan's cooking, and he's coming home from work. Where is he finding all this extra time to do all this shit? I thought he had a job to go to during the day. He doesn't say anything about being on a work vacation at all. I don't get this. I mean, is this just... Ted's going to go back to being Ted, leaving at, you know, beginning of the day to go to work, coming home. Jones, you know, this is just out of the norm for me, and it's a little much. I get it, it's a new season and everything, and we want to, you know, branch out with the characters, but homemaker Ted, I'm not feeling that at all. <laughs>
thoughtful just thought he'd do the laundry. No. I even uh, threw in one of Vicky's sweaters. What the heck? That's, she doesn't wear sweaters. Hey, you don't have to thank me, huh? I won't. It's mine. Before you shrink it, that was my sweater. Don't do the laundry. And it was white. Damn it. <laughs> Just go to work. Sorry, Why are you here right now? Until she cools off before I uh, tell her about her pants. Oh. You'll be buying her more. Hi. Hi, you guys. I'm a little surprised at you. Your uh, mother told me about the horse meat scandal. Mm -hmm. Well, you're the one who told us to be Woodward and Bernstein and Jethro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! My favorite shirt! Oh, Jamie, I love you. <laughs> All right, so Vicky's in the kitchen with a carton of milk. It looks like there could be a missing person's uh, notice on the side of it. We get a knock at the door. I bet anything. It's got to be Harriet because we have not seen her yet for this new season episode. So I bet that's got to be her. Because who else is going to be knocking at the door? I mean, if it's Chrissy, I doubt it. But I think it's Harriet. Oh, it's Chrissy. Terrible about getting Jamie in trouble at school today. I just came by to apologize. Is he here? He will be soon. I'm fixing him a snack. Milk, any peanut butter and sardine sandwich. Ew. Yuck. I'd rather a horse meat. Come on in. Um, What's uh. the matter, Vicky? This is your picture on the milk carton. What? This is your picture on the milk carton. You're a missing child. No, not I'm right here. You may be right here, but you're missing. Oh, no. Oh, shit. That is me. Why am I in a milk carton? I don't understand. Well, you read it and find out. Ask my dad about this. Why don't you take the milk carton with you? Okay, so my second guess was right. It was Chrissy, which I'm like, why is she there? Yeah, she feels bad about getting Jamie and Reggie in trouble. Like, I didn't mean that. And apparently Jamie's not there yet, but he will eventually get there. Because Chrissy wants to apologize in person. Like, where's Jamie? He's not here yet. So, as I said, Vicky's got the milk cart. She keeps glancing at it and then looking at Chrissy and then glancing down. And then looking at Chrissy. And she says, your face is on this milk carton. Like, your picture's here. This says you're a missing person. And Chrissy says, no, I'm not. I'm right here. And when we see the picture, it doesn't look, I mean, the picture looks like it could have easily been from a couple years ago, if anything. So, I mean, that could even be, like, picture could have been a headshot for the actress. I don't know. But anyway... Instead of taking the milk carton with her, she I gotta go tell my dad about this. Boom! Punky Brewster's episode to a T. In fact, I think after this, I'm gonna play that scene with Cherry and Punky looking at the picture of the girl on the milk carton played by Candace Cameron. Pre-Full House. But, okay. 
Reggie and Jamie are now in the kitchen, and they're just like, huh, I thought that story was going to be great, and now we're a couple of ding-dongs to our classmates. So I think, and the milk carton is right there between Reggie and Jamie. So, hmm, I think they're getting, they, didn't, they haven't noticed that there's a missing picture. There's a missing child's picture on it yet. Okay. We're a couple of ding-dongs. Yeah. The only way we can get our self-respect back is to come up with a really big story that we can prove is true. Yeah, but where are we going to get it? That thing with Krista today made us look like we couldn't find a good story if it was right under our nose. <laughs> Krista just came to apologize, but she left and went home. Why didn't she wait? She saw her picture on that milk carton. Huh? She's a missing child. Wow, that is Chrissy. Yeah, I think we found that big story, Bernstein. I mean, if this doesn't win the journalism contest, nothing will. Let's go write it up. And we know it's true because we got the proof right here on the milk carton. Man, you know what this is going to make us? A couple of ding-dongs. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they're kind of kicking themselves. Like, guys, you knew better than to run with that non-existent story about the lunch meat, horse meat, cafeteria shit. So, yeah, like, we wouldn't know a good story if it bit him in the ass. And Vicky drops the ball saying, hey, Chrissy was here. And Jamie's like, well, why didn't she wait? Because uh, she found her face on the back of a milk carton, and she got freaked and said, I need to tell my dad about this. What's going I would have taken the milk... The milk carton is empty, by the way. Take it with you. I mean, oh my gosh. So, Vicky chimes in saying she's on... Her face is on the milk carton. She's a missing person. So, of course, Jamie and Reggie decide to run with this. Like, hey... If this doesn't win the journalism contest, I don't know what will. And we got the proof this time with this milk carton. So they're not concerned about the fact that this girl is a missing person or why she's a missing person. They're just concerned about winning this stupid contest. Oh, boy. The thing is, there's literally, like, Less than seven minutes left in this episode. Another thing I've noticed, there hasn't been a lot of, like, laugh, funny, ha-ha moments. Which, I mean, this... And the thing is, for the majority of this episode, it's... We get introduced to Chrissy. And then, for the majority of the episode, it's all jokes about Ted's cooking, his laundry, you know. He's crap. He's shit at all of them. Of course. Because he's Ted. I'm just like, oh, come on. Just, I wish this could have been as strong. I mean, I know I got less than seven minutes left of this episode, but the season two, episode one, episode chewed out, spent the whole episode focused on this one topic, where this one spends seven, maybe eight out of a 24-minute episode talking about 
this serious subject. It's like they tacked it on at the last... How can we turn this into an after-school special? Let's slap some kid's face on a milk carton and, and put this girl in a new school and she's going to wind up being the missing person. They did this on Punky Brewster. They did this on Silver Spoons. Let me guess, he got takeout. <laughs> you got your wings, your legs, your thighs, your breast, and threw in a couple of lips. Ew. Thanks a lot. Here, Vicky, take the chicken out, put it on a platter. Mm. You're probably wondering why I'm whispering. You want the wife to think I cooked the chicken. Duh. A lot of guys do that. I think you're the first. Oh, listen, listen, help me get rid of the evidence. What do you have to do? Sure. Oh, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. What do I owe you? 20 bucks. 20 bucks? 20 dollars? Holy shit. What's the other 5 bucks for? Blackmail. I mean, like, delivery charge. A tip. 20 fucking dollars? Does it get mashed potatoes and biscuits with it? Oh, by the way, the apron? It's too busy with the shirt. Uh, Dinner ready, Julia? Yeah. Oh, it smells so good. It's, uh, it's uh, chicken a la tête. Why are you whispering? Why are you whispering? He wants to wife to think you cooked chicken. Yeah. yeah. It's not KFC. It's... Wait, Dad, hear this. Reggie and I found the story that's going to win us that journalism contest. Oh, great. What's the story? It's all about Chrissy, that new girl in class. We found out she's a missing child. A missing child? That's right. I think I smell horse meat. <laughs> no, Dad, honest. This time we can prove it. Hey, look. There she is. Carlos Ramirez, age three and a half. Damn, how many missing... Ted is pulling a Joey Gladstone from season one when Joey tried to play off like, oh my gosh, I'm cooking this Chinese food, even though I secretly bought it from a, a restaurant. I'm pretending that I made it myself. Bullshit. So, um, yeah, he gets not KFC chicken, I'll tell you that, because uh, $20 for like breast, legs, wings, and thighs? You don't get any mashed potatoes, you don't get any damn biscuits, because I didn't see either of those things. I'm like, what the hell, that's a ripoff. I mean, if it included that, I could see it being $20, but then again, I don't... When I get chicken, and I only get it from KFC, 
I only get the legs and thighs because, you know, I'm more of a fan of the dark meat. To me, I mean, those wings, they got nothing on They got nothing on them. And I just find the, the, the white breast meat is just so dry. Of course, he gives the chicken delivery guy the garbage uh, can from the kitchen that has the empty milk carton in uh, the, the chicken container because he thinks that Joan's going to think that he made himself uh, breakfast and, and, and dinner from previous beg to differ. Yeah, she ain't stupid. So Jamie comes in is like, oh my gosh, we found our story that's going to win us the journalism contest. Chrissy's a messy person. That new girl? Yeah. Uh, her face was on the back of a milk cart. He, Jamie pulls out another milk cart and there's another child, three and a half, who's missing. Holy shit. Like every single milk carton they have in there is of a missing child. Oh my gosh. It's just, oh, it's, 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 it's terrible. So, of course, Joan and Ted are like, if this is serious, like, Jamie, you need to write that story and let your principal know. No, no feelings. Like, oh, that poor girl, what she must be going through. I mean, oh my gosh. Not like, hey, let's call the police over and check this out. You don't know where Christy lives. You don't know if that's a real name. Probably isn't. You don't know her phone number. You don't know how to get a hold of her. Odds are... When she came, there's a new student. Her dad probably filled out fake paperwork, no real address, fake phone number, fake name, fake all that shit. This is just like that punk. And and that's the thing. Small Wonder was, that was, I thought it was an NBC show. Maybe it's CBS. I thought it was NBC. All right, let's, there's four minutes left of this episode. Let's see how uh, this all goes down. Odds are we don't see Chrissy again. She's gone. Like she told her dad, dad freaked out, they fucking left in the night and they disappeared. Boom, they're gone. She changes her name, get a whole new identity, whole new place to live. Ugh. Child custody battle. Oh no. Hey, Mr. Ryan, there 
There's our proof. And apparently her mother has been going out of her mind to try to find her. So I notified the police, and I also went to almost every market in town to try to find this. That's Chrissy Ryan, all right. Sure is. Awesome, Way to go, Mr. Lawson. You've got it here. Hey, my dad's got it all over. <laughs> I'm worried. Chrissy wasn't in class this morning. Well, I'm not surprised, honey. The police went to her house and found it vacant. So apparently her father is panicked and they're on the move again. Of course. They don't know what kind of vehicle she's driving. Oh, shit. Oh, did they win? Oh, that's beautiful, honey. Come on, guys. Cheer up. I mean, after all, you two did win the journalism contest with your story. Yeah, I know. But I feel so bad about Chrissy. Yeah, me too. Now, you guys are going to feel a lot better when you bury your face in a big piece of that cake, huh? Not really. Oh, shit. Hopefully that's an answer. Let's find out what happened. Hello? Hey, this is Ted Lawson. Yes? That's great news. Oh, thank God. Thank you very much for calling. Was she reunited with her mother? Terrific news, everyone. The police found Chrissy and her father, and she's going to be reunited with Mom. Woo! Wonderful. Yeah. You feel better, guys? Yeah. Now I feel like burying my face in a Dad's going to jail, clearly. Oh, shit. Let it go! So, yeah, pretty much it just sums up that, um, <laughs> being they didn't have that milk cart, and of course the, the principal, again, is not going to believe him. It's like, Again, this is a serious accusation that you're coming up with here. Where's your proof? And being they don't have the milk carton, but then again, Joan comes and says, I believe the boys. My husband and I both do. And Ted went all over town. I thought he was going to track down that chicken guy and get that empty milk carton back. But no, he went to a supermarket to get another one that had Chrissy's picture. And it turns out they did send the police over. They did, they did go over there, and it was vacant. The whole the place is just boom. They vanished into the night. Luckily, even though the boys did win for their article, even though they feel like shit because it's like guilt is setting in. Like, sure we got this, but at what cost? Poor Chrissy. And luckily, at the end of the episode, problem solved phone call. Luckily, I guess they hadn't gotten very far because the police were able to catch up to them somehow, probably not knowing what make of vehicle that the dad was driving, but Chrissy is going to be reunited with and with her mother. And the thing is, same thing as Punky Brewster, custody battle, just like that. And the thing is, with Silver Spoons, was the same exact thing. It seems like it's, they're always pinning it on the dad. Like, the dad is like, oh, the wife and I are separated, we're divorced, she was going to move across to the country and take my kid, and I just, I couldn't stand it, so I took, picked the kid up from school, and we, boom. So now odds are, yeah, the dad's probably going to go to jail, and um, there's probably going to, he's going to lose custody completely, but anything, and it's going to be a word, you know, you're never going to see your daughter again now. You, you lost your chance. Now he's going to have a record, forget about getting a job anywhere. His face is going to be plastered all over the place. I mean, all over the news. Oh my, I mean, ugh. there are better ways to do that than abducting your kid just because of a custody battle. My good grief. And think about.
about what poor her mother's going through, what Chrissy's going through, what she's been through in the last, what, I thought Ted said, like, two or three years? Good grief. But yeah, that's that's basically the episode, guys. Um, for the most part, it was it was an alright episode. Uh, the last, like, ten minutes is where the, the, the nuts and bolts and the meat of the episode kind of went to, so... Now we're going to, uh, I want to see, honestly, let me look on, um, YouTube. I want to see what the comments are for this episode. But I'm gonna, let's, uh, let's take a look at what episode I'll be doing for February. I'm pretty sure it's not gonna be as good as this one. But we'll find out. <laughs> when they, like, hit it out of the park with a really, really, like, hard-hitting, like, after-school special type episode, because this is 87, I'm pretty sure 1985 would have been the one for um, Punky Brewster with, the, with that episode. And I'll read on that in a second. So, all right. Season two. Season two. Going backwards. Season three, episode two. This is going to be for February. This aired September 19th, 1987. I would have been five at this point. Vicky saves Harriet from drowning in the pool. So they're putting a above-ground pool in the space between the garage and the side of the house for one episode. Oh my gosh. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah, a lot of people, honestly, in the comments here are definitely talking about the Punky Brewster Season 2 episode that had a young Candace Cameron in it. About the missing child on the milk carton. And somebody even pointed out, like, yeah, this almost does kind of feel like a B-story, even though the title is Woodward and Bernstein. Because it's first in comments, so the whole child abduction bit, just the B story? Because <laughs> it didn't take place until, like, the last, like, seven minutes of the episode. Uh, and I'll notice one thing, we didn't get Harriet at all in this episode, which I, I'm not complaining about that. We're going to get her in the next one. There'll be plenty of that. Let's see. Um, yeah, another one saying they, another... Uh, you know, the Punky Brewster episode also focused on the exact same, exact same episode, pretty much, practically to a T. This person is, I'm confused by their comment, says, how can this be a happy ending? It clearly can be seen that Christy was, Chrissy was with her father willingly, so that means she doesn't want to stay with her mom. Uh, commenter, you don't know what the situation is. Seriously? Clearly, Ted explained it was a custody issue between the mom and the dad, so. I mean, the fact that she didn't even know that her mom had put out a missing persons thing, so they've been all over the place. And the mom has no idea. So, in the Punky Brewster episode, I actually did cover this for the Punky Brewster podcast, if you want to go back and listen. Uh, <laughs> the father... In the small wonder of you do not see him. You don't know what his relationship is with his daughter or any of that stuff. In this one, this guy is really stressed out. He doesn't want Julie out in the public. He he doesn't want her in school. None of that. He's keeping her her hidden, basically. And we do find out that she's been June and Joan and Jane and this and that and every other type of female Jane name you can assign to a child over the course of a year or two. This, I mean, it's 
and the fact that he was even mentioning because Henry is the apartment manager, he wants to pay by the week or the day or something like that. So it's like, basically, and you and he has next to no fucking furniture when he moves into that apartment. So, uh, yeah. The scene I want to play, of course, is going to be where Cherry Punky and Julie are in the kitchen. They've made a little cake for dessert. And Punky notices there is a missing child's picture on the side of the milk carton. takes the milk carton with her and honestly i i mean if i had to choose between uh the small wonder one and this and the punky brewster one the punky brewster one there is so much more to it because the father is actually involved and she actually ends up running to the dad knocking on the door and she's got the milk carton with her she's like this is me isn't it and, uh, it's just it's crazy and the fact you know just his reason the fact that you know, Julie's, Jennifer, her name is Jennifer. Uh, her mother remarried. They were going to move to California, apparently, or something. And he's like, I guess the mom was like cutting down his visits or something to the point where if they moved to California, he'd like never see her. It's like, you can fly to California. She can also arrange custody where Julie could, Jennifer, whatever, could fly out and see you. It's not like you would never see your kid. Or you could even move to California, or what have you. There's so many options. Taking your kid and running away with her was not an option. And now because you've done that, you're going to be going to jail. And your your wife or ex-wife is going to get sole custody. But I, I just, I like that. And then in the end, we get to see that he calls his wife up, wife up on the phone in this Punky Brewster episode and puts his daughter on so his mom can so her mom can speak to her after what two or three years that she's been gone and i'm just like oh my gosh and the same thing with the silver spoons episode in season three the father takes and it's it always seems like it's always a daughter it's always they're worried they're gonna lose custody of their daughter and even though this one was just, just almost as young as the candace cameron character and you see the reunion with the mom. You actually get to see her crying that her daughter even remembers her because she'd been gone for two years. Like, oh my gosh, she remembers me still. There's even um, a book that was turned into a movie in the 90s with Kelly Martin called The, F the Face on the Milk Carton. And I watched, I tried reading the book. I couldn't get into the movie. It's really, really good, though. And apparently there are more... It's like a series of books. I I couldn't get through the first one, but it's just like, wow. Just... Alright, so yeah, like I said, I, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I look forward to the next episode next month 
with the swimming pool and Harriet and Vicky have but that's interesting because Vicky's a robot right and she's going into water to save a drowning person so is this going to be about like pool safety oh I know what I wanted to look up I wanted to look up like when the whole face on the milk carton thing started when they started doing it, it had to have been the 80s right it says 1984 picking up on the anti-child snatching pamphlets of the 70s a few dairies began to place pictures of missing children on milk cartons in 84 it's not clear however which company came up with the idea it says pets was the first missing child to appear on milk cartons nationwide in the united states in 84 as part of a campaign run by the National Child Safety Council and hundreds of dairies across the county. The program began in Des Moines. So, <clears throat> Eden Khalil Pets was an American boy who was six years old on May 25th, 79, when he disappeared on his way to his school bus stop in the Soho neighborhood of Lower Manhattan. His disappearance helped launch the missing children movement, which included the new legislation and new methods for tracking down missing children. Several years after he disappeared, Pats was one of the first children to be profiled on the, on the photo on a milk carton campaigns of the early 1980s. In 1983, President Ronald Reagan designated May 25th the anniversary of Eaton's disappearance as National Mission Children's Day in the United States. Um, wow, missing for 43 years, 8 months and 2 days, declared dead in absentia on March 19th, 2001, age 28. Wow. It says presumed he was murdered by strangulation. One of the first missing child cases. Okay, um, this is horrible. This is horrible. Oh my gosh. It says that a person was not formally charged but speculation exists and it says that someone else was convicted oh my gosh and then it was you know this and guys this is just hearsay i mean this is wikipedia like i said grain of salt basically with some of these and it's just it's it's, it's horrible it's just it's horrible but, and I see that in a way, by putting these special, like, after, I mean, we call them after school special episodes because they aired when kids were out of school. That was the best time to get the, especially if it's regarding kids, you're going to want kids to see it, to be able to be more self-aware. So, it just, like, it just, it's horrible. It's just, it's, it's, I can't even begin to imagine but, um, yeah, I will be back in February. You know, usually I put these out at the end of the month. So, yeah, look forward to everybody in the pool, I guess, is the episode. So, that one seems like it will be maybe a semi-lighthearted with, I mean, how dramatic is Emily Schulman going to have to be when pretending to drown in a pool? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But it just seems like, yeah, when I was going through it at the end of season two, just seeing, okay, what's in season three? A lot of hard-hitting, serious-type episodes. I think there, was there one about a kid? Was it the Ronald McDonald House that's going to be this season? Or maybe it's next season. Let me double-check. Um, but, gosh. It's really hitting it. I And I thought that was, like, later on. Let's see. Wait a minute. Why? Hold on. There we go.
Ryle McDonald House, yeah, the one with the, the young boy who has leukemia. There's one that says something to do with uh, Ted being mistook as a man who's an alcoholic and Mrs. whatever, Ferdinand, whatever her name is, comes back and threatens to put Vicky in a foster home or something if Ted doesn't go to uh, AA. Uh, Lawsonville Horror seems like the one that's kind of like have Vicky be possessed or something. It's okay to say no. Uh, Jamie and Vicky help the police catch a drug dealer because, you know, he's in junior high. Uh, everyone in the pool again. Um, I think we're probably going to get Brandon. Yep, Brandon. Oh, there's going to be a doctor and a nurse. So I'm guessing, is it serious that Harry's going to end up in the hospital recovering from almost drowning? That's what I'm, I'm wondering. I am honestly wondering if it's going to go you know, that far. Because there's a doctor and a nurse there. That makes me nervous. Uh, read my lips. There's a character. Oh, we get the return of Lauren. Um, Scooter Stevens, who, is, who plays the younger brother in Better Off Dead. With John Cusack. He's, I think he may be playing the boy that is, you know, deaf. And Jamie, of course, is going to use... Yeah, this kid his advantage like oh can you tell what my teacher or my mom or, or my mom and this person are saying to each other or oh what are what are those people saying you know something to that effect so it's just like wow this is a bad seed oh sweet is this the one where we're, we're gonna get um what was her name it was like Vanessa I think and I'm like that is gonna be interesting I'm I'm really excited just like I said you heard me exclaim I'm so excited I'm so excited I can't wait so all right again thank you for hearing me run off and again I'll see you at the end of February all right bye bye everyone